This is Alan Apone and Brad Look, and you're listening to Battles with Bits of Rubber. Mmm, sounds like a cooking show, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! That happens while we're recording. It, it did. <laughs> did what? Did it happen once? It did. No, it recorded just now. Oh, I had to record it on. We are such children. <laughs> so we're driving back from the airport and uh, uh, to the airport, I should say, um, from Casamikash, and uh, and our flights don't leave for a while. But in LA, you never know how long it's going to take you to get someplace. Traffic sucks. I figure I'd rather just be sat there supping coffee yeah. for an hour than sitting there tearing what little hair I have left that's on my face, I suppose, is the only hair I've got. Right yeah, no, I'd much rather be, be early and I've got things to do. I've got Michael Westmore's book to look through. Yes. Yeah, we got a bunch I'd of I'd much rather be, be in plenty of time than be sitting stopped in traffic wondering, oh, fudge. You know we have the explicit rating on this, so you can go for it. Yeah. I know, but I'm a story of Ralphie and the Christmas story. That's good. So, we are driving back to the airport, and yesterday we spoke to Alan A. Pone, and we were really lucky to also speak to Brad Look. Um, and we started, again, what we thought was, because whenever we ask anyone yeah, to do this... we're going to go get a tour of, of uh, Mel from Alan, and then maybe... 1.7 miles. Exit onto exit 9A, Vine Street. Thanks, Kate. Thought maybe we'd do 15, 20 minutes with Alan. And then Brad Look comes in and sits down. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And then we uh, we spoke for almost an hour and a half. Yeah. And it was just, again, I keep saying this, but it's true. They're magical moments. They're conversations that I enjoyed having, and we just forget that we're recording them. And this one was about makeup. There's some really cool tips about bull caps and just how makeup and the prosthetics thing work together because that was a big part of the of, of why I wanted to speak to a lot of people was talking really a little color theory yeah some color theory stuff in there and uh, yeah it was amazing it was really really cool hope you enjoy it we sure did say that all the time it's quite funny though it makes me laugh every time and the other ones you have like a r2d2 which finishes with a wet fart yeah that's, that's oh really that, that's my wife's notification <laughs> <laughs> does she know that yes probably, oh, she, so she, probably she not initially she does not like it <laughs> no, just, don't tell it to me okay so guys thank you very how's it sounding sounds great cool thank you for spending some time I think just for, I mean, we've got the massive three-day Monster Palooza. Yeah, thanks for huge. what you do, and thanks it for was huge. us do this. The first time I'd ever been to one, I hadn't appreciated quite what an undertaking it was. Well, they keep getting bigger each time. Yeah. They started off over in Burbank, and because the facility over there was only so big, they outgrown that space, and that's what's moved them over to Pasadena. But the problem is, it seems like they're outgrowing that space as well. Yeah, Fortunately, they've crying. still got another... Yeah. section of, of the venue that they could move into. But True. The first one I went to was number two, eight years ago. Okay. Oh, the one in Burbank. And, yeah, in and Burbank. to see what they've gone to from that, when I think PPI was the only makeup 
ex exhibitor mm -hmm. at the show at that well, time. We were, well, we were there. We had a small 10 by 10. We had just a table. Were you there, too? That yeah, we, we were at the very first one. So we, were, we actually were the last vendor to get a table at the first Monster Palooza. And it was tucked in a corner, down a hallway, at the very end, and um, it was just a table, and, you know, it was, it was great. It was so much fun. And I didn't care at the time, really didn't care about whether, how much money we made at the show, because it was such... It was like a big yeah, class reunion. The, the vibe there was, yeah. was amazing. And it's, and it's changed. I mean, those first couple were really to to service the idea of the of the professional monster, you know, the universal monster. Yeah. And now you're not seeing that as much. That that seems to be going to the wayside. Because I remember there was there were there were model model building yep. contests yes. and mass contests. Yeah, there was all kinds yeah. of. Competition stuff for yeah. for collectors and and fans to do, yeah. and I I didn't see any of that. Yeah. And remember that the, they had the big sculpture of King Kong yeah. out there, Brett Armstrong. Yeah, yeah that yeah, was. But, but Armstrong again, Armstrong we're not stuff. seeing any of that now. It's yeah. like it's all kind of disappeared and gone to a whole different area. Mm. Well, it's you know it's that evolution of stuff where you start off with this. That's like IMATS was. Well, as, yeah, as well. I, I kind of changed drastically. You know, too. Yeah, it's the and, same thing. And, and I think Monster Palooza has picked up. What IMATS has lost, yeah, but now, but there, I I felt some of the aspects of IMATS at Monster Palooza, you know, with the museum and, and right. certain aspects right. of it. So it's you know, yeah, but now like I, the and it's not saying that it's bad because look at the people that put put these things on are are doing it to make money, mm, sure, and obviously they're doing the right stuff because you know they grow, they continue to grow, and they. You know, they pull in, they, they sell, sold out every day. Mm. So, I mean, they're doing their job correctly. I know us as as fans, you know, the things that I really want to see at Monster Palooza are exactly what you're talking about. The old stuff. I want to see, you know, makeup artists that I know and lab guys that I know and people that I know that work in the industry show their fine art side. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what you got to see, and you got to collect some of their really cool personal stuff, or their their resin uh, sculptures or resin model kits and stuff like that. Yeah, it's more about so admiration for exactly what, for, for it than wow. than uh, kind, kind of understanding the past. Yeah, and mm -hmm. how the past has actually affected the future, where we are now. I mean, some people have even suggested that uh, why don't we have like makeup conscious, like like they have at IMATS, but have it geared towards monster makeups where you're given so much time and you're given a theme and you do your take on that theme mm -hmm. as as a prospective makeup artist who might participate yeah, in this i guess there's a, a whole universal yeah. range of of interpretations of yeah. frankenstein's monster well, yeah any of that i mean and the thing is i i think what that would do is resurrect a lot of what was the original intent of monster yeah. palooza yeah. by doing stuff like that sure well you that know. was the thing that that whole art section which i discovered like on day two because i didn't even get yeah. there the first day and there were people there and i chat to them and go oh, did you do these and they say yeah and it was nice to go right. to the you know the chain between the making and the selling was really short yep. you know mm -hmm. rather yeah. than being a reselling because I guess there can't be a lot of money if you start putting in all these different sub. Exactly. Well, that was my takeaway after come after being at my first Monster Palooza eight years ago is seeing the the competitions and and so on, but not seeing much makeup stuff. Yeah. There's 
people dressing up in costumes is okay. All right, you want to take your cosplay to another level? There need to be workshops here to show you how to do that. Sure. Mm-hmm. To, yeah, to, yeah, to, exactly. to hone your sculpting right. chops, to see how somebody paints a ball cap right. to make it look realistic. Right. Mm-hmm. Then you can go rock out at, at Comic-Con and people are going, holy crap, is that cool. Yeah, yeah have exactly. guest speakers who actually because, demonstrate stuff. Because now you've you've had some training and you're not just... But yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that, you're right. And I, I, th- I think that would actually satisfy several different areas of, of expression that Monsterpalooza needs to have which is the contests, the individuals coming in and going into the classroom environment and actually showing people, as opposed to just at the booths, where there's a lot of chaos going on, where you can actually focus as a group. You can take notes and you can actually listen and they can show you on a big monitor what's Absolutely. going on. Because mm-hmm. that was the thing. There was, just, there was pure gold happening, but there yeah. were seven things happening at the same time. Oh, yeah. Or more. even you know, right. how, to, like, how to use enamel paints to do your... Your your Wolfman or your right. your mummy yeah, exactly. model kit right exactly yeah stuff like that I, and see that I totally get I mean it's not just necessarily makeup it's right. because the craft part of it and I and like you know one of the things that we have at Mel Products is we our mantra is respect the craft you know that's our mantra so everything that we do all of our packaging everything has that on it. Because it's so important. Because these people spend so much time and money learning what they do, you know, mm-hmm. um, to hone their craft to become really good at what they do. And when you get to see it, when you get to see them do that, it's such a, it's such an event. Yeah. So, like you're saying, if you could have stuff where, where, like, I would love to watch somebody show how to how to do. You know, models correctly. You know how this is how you do this. If when you know, yeah, you, how do you glue an arm to yeah. a torso without, without a messing group. up the detail of, right. of the the model by dripping glue everywhere? Right, right. and, and or putting a cockpit into a Batmobile. Right. Yeah, and you don't want to get. How do you keep the that clear plastic frosting up from the glue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Things yeah. Like that. yeah. All, all those things. Then your whole model is is completely yeah. horked if you do that. Well, but I mean, if you have if you have people who collect masks, and they want to be able to paint a mask, what's the process of painting a mask so that it will last? I yeah, mean, you yeah, know. totally. And and you know, a lot of guys are selling unpainted resin bust kits. And exactly. So, and so if you're going to paint it yourself, you don't want to screw it up. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. So those things, the, the to be able to pass that on, I think that's that's what sort of. Um, in the beginning of Monster Palooza, you had some of that, not a lot of it, but you had some of that. And you could actually sit and talk with those artists, mm-hmm. you know, and ask them questions and stuff like that. So it was, you know, it was really good. So you're, going, you're, you're leaving there actually learning stuff. Yeah. yeah. yeah so it's not just buying, it's yeah, learning. No, it, yeah. it was a great learning experience for me. It just just watching somebody's demo, you know, I'm I think I'm pretty good at some stuff, but I... Can, there's always room for improvement. Yeah. And watching some of the demos and go, oh, I, I've never seen that technique. Yeah, before. exactly. That really makes sense, you know. And if you're paying attention, you can learn so much just by watching. You don't even without even asking questions. Yeah. 
Anyway, that's I, I think that would really improve Monster Palooza, having things like that. Again, having that because there are classroom spaces there, sure, which are used during IMATs, and having guest stars or guest lecturers up there, and you have time slots for these people mm -hmm. where you can actually go in there, you can actually listen, you can ask questions in a, a basically a classroom setting. So that you can learn more. Yeah, I think IMATS even has some of the classes where yeah. you pay a certain amount and right. there are going to be some materials involved that is covered with the cost of, of right. that class and you are taking this kit home with you mm -hmm. after you've gained a new right, skill exactly. set. Right, exactly. And Elliot, the cool thing about Elliot is he's, he's real open to, to, he is. to suggestion. He is. He's really good about that. So, yeah. so it's fun, but but it's it's such a it's such a fun weekend. Mm. That weekend is. I don't know what happened. It was like <laughs> I, I missed meals, you know, yeah, because I just didn't even think about it. And that for me, that's unusual. So well, you know, it was that distracted by everything. Yeah, thinking. and it's tough when you're because you know I, you know I'm in our booth the whole time, and I, every time I try to walk away. You know, you can't get I, 10 I, feet. I can't. Yeah, it's just like it's you know somebody's come to see me or or whatever. And one of the things that especially like Brad and I are, uh, uh, like to do is like you you get a lot of young people at Monster Palooza, and I really I had I had somebody come back this year that was at Monster Palooza two years ago, and um, came back and just thanked me for spending time I spent time with them to show them how to do stuff and you know talk them through what they were trying to learn and stuff like that and we do that at our booth we you make know, I, sure yeah, that I, people I, I saw you doing that a number of times yeah. and and it was so nice to have somebody come back and give you that feedback because I just do it automatically you know and Brad does the same thing um you know one, we really want people, if you're going to do this, we really want you to know how to do it. And especially if you're using our products, we want to make sure you know the best way to use our products. And, you know, the, you, you see that throughout the industry. I mean, there's a lot of people who are really, you know, good at that. And then there's some that are just selling product, you know. But, but you know, I think the... The one thing that I learned, especially going to IMATS London, is the the center there is education. Everything's about education. And we try to do the same thing. We try to adopt that whole thought of of the way the Brits do stuff. You know, and I love the whole the whole way that they do that, you know, concentrating on education, the, the people they bring up and stuff like that. And so, you know, we've uh, have always said, and we just have been that way our whole careers, is totally willing to, to help. Mm -hmm. Open book. Whatever you want to know, happy to share it. But the thing is also, I mean, this came up a couple times yesterday where people are asking questions about maybe male products. And I said, yes, you can use this in conjunction with, you know, European body art, skin illustrator, real creation. Yeah. I, it's like, the thing is, is, as an educator is trying to express to the person who's asking you the question that there are more than one way to get to, the, to that end product. And in most cases, I, I come from an art background. I mix media mm -hmm. in makeup as well as in art is the way to go because no one product line will solve every issue that you have. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you have to be able to learn how to combine different products 
in the right order so that you'll get the final product the way you want it to look. Yeah. It's, it's it's kind of trying to fight that kind of Apple mentality where yeah. you have like this one source of everything. Yeah, and this I just get this and this does it. Because it's frightening to think it might go wrong if I come up. Right. But you're, you're burdened with knowledge, but that's the professional space. Yeah. That's what you have to be right. able to do. So if you get people who are starting out, they might get the first thing they'll see is a search engine optimization product line. Right. But it may encourage them to think in terms of, you know, you put A with B with C and you end up with a result. And right. it's like that may work for them as a vendor, right. but it's not going to make you a great artist because you may go, oh, this doesn't work. They, re they react to this. I can't use. For an example, I had a, uh, a, a stuntman that was allergic to alcohol. So, like, all my kit was pretty really? much alcohol-based. Yeah. I'm like, well, I'll just use creams, and I'll just use 244 to thin it down, and it, it was fine. But it was like, but if you've been encouraged into a scalable thought process, you end up not being as flexible. And it, I think it's important to encourage that early on. Right. So well, that you have Well, that and, you know, the problem with, with so much of this, and this is, I see this a great deal when people show me YouTube things, where one person is stressing and all they do is use one product line and it's like when i go to teach at cinema makeup or if i'm teaching for the union classes or i'm teaching for at mud as an educator i try to stress that you don't use any one line you use what is appropriate for what you need mm -hmm. and to just be limited to one line it's like now i'll show them how to use rubber mask grease paint now my contemporary makeup artists that I'm around, they all look at me like I'm, you know, are, are you are you yeah. stupid or what? You're using rubber mask grease? It's like, yes, it still has places. It still has uses that people are automatically just foregoing and going automatically to alcohol-based products. Mm. Sometimes a rubber mask grease paint is much more appropriate, especially around the eyes or the mouth or some areas where using an alcohol that close to those areas it's really not wise. No, and also yeah. a lot of people cite um, a durability that they do, and they do have, yeah. but it's like a conventional makeup, uh, beauty makeup wouldn't necessarily use alcohol colors at all, but right. that's fine. The trick is to not, you know, go rubbing your face and ruining it. Yeah. It has a, it's like wearing a bulletproof vest to go shopping. It's like, it's not necessarily, yeah. but, but do you the, know what I mean? It's like, yeah, but yeah it does afford you a protection, but it's, it's, it's not necessarily necessary. It's a, right. it's a level of, of uh, extremity that you've been conditioned to believe you require all the time. Exactly. And it limits right. your, your vision. You're, you're, yeah, you are. Just, just like the use of, you know, when you're making a prosthetic. Oh, it's silicone. you got to make it out of silicone. Well, you don't need to make it no, out of silicone. What's it for? Sometimes what's it, latex well, how, and cotton is, yeah. is what you need. What, what, or, what just, is your end result? Or just, or just a gelatin piece. Or, Again, it, it, it's like people have gotten onto this bandwagon of using only one product line. It's not always suitable. Right. Exactly. It's like with us introducing our peeling sticks this year at, at Monster Palooza. Like people were literally shocked when I told them it's encapsulated gelatin. They're like, "What? It's like, what? You're not doing silicone? No, I don't need it. No. Uh, the water's not going to get to it. It does. So yeah. yeah. And it'll soften with heat. It's, yeah. So it's stiffer to it's, put on, and then it'll soften and relax. And, and, and then it. relax, but it won't melt. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's uh, the the gelatin that we're that we're using. We've t I've tested it for two years. I've tested it on all the features that I've done. It works beautifully. So now we're ready to come out with it. But it's it's, it's that whole idea of you know just like well you can't change the norm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that's why like in all our instructional videos on our website. We actually list all the products that we use, all the different vendors that we use their products of to 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 make the the whatever the video is that we're do, using. Mm 
So, because um, we want to show people that it's not where you know we're a a supplement, not a substitute. You know, you want to make sure that you can interact with other things. And being a makeup artist, or just being an artist, is being open to all these different choices. Mm. I mean, again, teaching this, I try to tell people there is no one way to get to that end product. Yeah, there's exactly. multiple I say techniques. To my students constantly, it's, there's half dozen ways to do everything. Yeah, because someone will say, "Well, you only show this process." I said, "I'm only showing you this process because of what we're doing right now. If I'm in this circumstance here." I'm going to change my whole process to go with that circumstance. Again, you can only go with one circumstance at a time when teaching. If you go with multiple ones, people are now scratching their heads going, which way do I go? Yeah, so you they, have they to simplify. Right, exactly. So as a teacher, you have to be able to show them the most elementary way of doing something, but going in and saying, yes, but there are other ways well, of augmenting this way of doing this. You know, to, just to touch up touch base on something that you said earlier, which I really liked, is is that, you know, you you know, you can be at a show and you see something and you go, My God, I never thought of doing that. I have to try it. Now I've done that. I've I was on I was in a doing a movie and one of the makeup artists that I was working with had this technique for uh, on a prosthetic that I really liked and I said, I've never seen that done and it was just a thing with a brush that he did. And um I said, I have to try that. Well, the next time I had the chance, I tried it. It doesn't work for me. It didn't work for me. I, I couldn't get it to do the same thing he did. Now, he's probably been doing it, you know, 20 years. And it just was one of those things that, like, the way I did it, it still worked. It worked yeah. fine. But I just, I thought the way that he did it looked, it, it's, it, I think it, for him, I mean, it worked really cool. It was very, it seemed faster than the way I was doing it. And I really liked it, but I could not incorporate it. So sometimes you see stuff that you just can't incorporate into your, you know, yeah. into and your then, arsenal. And then, then you see something that, why isn't everybody doing this? Because it right. makes so much sense. You know, Rob Freitas showed me a way to uh, to do your your two part molds and be able to open it with, you know, the, the cross beams and the and the sequence <clears throat> so that you're removing torque from, you know, prying at one end mm -hmm. and causing force at the other and lifting the whole thing up out of the way and just removing the suction. And just, okay, I am now, when I'm making molds that need to be made a certain way, I do them all so that they can be opened in that fashion so that I'm never prying right. anything out. Yeah. It is a lot of it is that kind of thing of, you know, solving the problem starts way up. A simple example would be not make if you're using silicon pieces with glues. I hear people say, "Oh, the glue wasn't strong enough," and actually, the problem is the piece was not soft enough. So yeah. the, you know, the skin was stretching, yeah. and the piece was able, wasn't able to keep up with it. So, yeah, the problem was that it peeled off, but your mistake was assuming it was the glue's fault rather than your fault. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Different ways of coming at yeah. it, like you were saying with the with the paint thing and it didn't work for you at the end of the day it's making that choice as to what it is you're trying to get at yeah. some people might flick it some people might airbrush it some people might cut down a sponge or a brush right. as long as you get the thing that you want right. it's how you arrive at it is different like, exactly we could have driven it well we've done that with the, with the ways you know we've yeah. been directed yeah. <laughs> and you're like no no we got, at the end of the well, day you may take a different route but at the end you get to the same destination exactly, <laughs> exactly. well um, uh, Brad came up with this thing and it's on our bald cap video um, of how to lay the the neck uh on the on the bald cap down so that it actually is solid 
you know, so that you don't have to worry about it. And also, if you've got somebody that's got a bulk of hair, it holds that hair down really well. And it's like, it's so simple that like, how did, I've never seen anybody do it. I've never heard anybody talk about doing it, but Brad came up with it because of a situation he had on a job and he came back and showed me. I was just like, oh my God, how, how is it that no one ever thought of this? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's that's the, the mother of necessity is, a, is if you're a working makeup artist and you're on the job as in this particular technique you're talking about, I was working on This Is Us, and we had an actress who had a lot of hair in, in the back of her mm-hmm. head here. And I did the test makeup on a Friday, and we had the the show over the weekend. And I thought, you know, I wonder if I could use saran wrap. So what I did was I came up with this way of putting glue on around the whole back, the nape of the neck. I took saran wrap, and I said, now give me a lot of tension. And I pressed it in there as tight as I could. And then I took acetone and actually dissolved the saran wrap. Then when I glued on the ball cap, I'm gluing not just around the edge, as most generally we do. Mm-hmm. I'm gluing right across the, the entire <laughs> area. Right? So now... Light bulb. It's, it's like, how, did, how, how do you, you not think about that? And it's just yeah. like, I just think it's one of the... Brilliant things that the, you know, the serendipity. You've got skin all the way up to here, so right. yeah, yeah. yeah. So brilliant. What was amazing. what was interesting was I put it on the actress that Monday, and I did it uh, uh, during the show. And someone said to me, "Oh, you've probably done this before." I said, "I've never done this before in my life." I said, "I yeah. came up with this idea while I'm, I'm in the shower, as as I and I thought back. I'm going to try this." And so I tried it, and people in the audience are going, oh, you've done this before. You're just making it look so simple. I said, I've never tried this before. And what was interesting was when she turned her head, the torquing of the back, you usually get these really bad wrinkles. Yeah. It softened all the wrinkles, that so you really, get minimal amount of wrinkles. the load over yeah. that whole area. Yeah, because it's all glued down. Now, and I so did it on my actress that Monday, and someone says, well, it probably won't hold up. She had it on for 12 hours, and it held up the entire day doing wow. it that way. Amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. That's awesome. But that's that's that that to me, that, you know, that realization or that discovery is always the spark. You know, it's yeah. always you know you love yeah. that. It's just yeah, like that's that wow. is great. Yeah, I, Mike Smithson um, was. I remember one demo he was doing some years ago at, at, at one of the IMATS things. So it had to be a while ago because he hasn't done one for at IMATS for a while. Um, he was doing prosade transfers. And he had one of these cans of, you know, a dust off. Oh, right? yeah. To freeze and, it. And he was peeling the, the acetate off the back of the, the piece, and it was sticking a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he just took that can upside down and pff, refroze it and just came right off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ding, 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 yeah. ding. Now, you know, I keep one of those in my Yeah, every, in my yeah exactly. It's one of those we all. doing transfers, I yeah. got a can of that with me. So yeah. if, it's, if it's sticking a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, let's face it. When you're a, when you're working as a makeup artist, or you're working as a mask maker, or whatever your your profession is, you come up with these little things that you th- just develop just because either the, nece- the necessity of it, or you need a shortcut because you need something really quicker than what you normally are given the time for. And people come up with these techniques all the time. And I've always thought, you know, this would be a great thing to have a panel on. And just have a panel of makeup artists up and just start saying, okay, now this is the situation. What would you do to come up with an answer for this situation? And 
most of what we do as in this profession is problem solve. Yeah. And you have to be quick on your feet and really be a quick problem solver. That would be a standing room only. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Especially if you get people to submit their problems. Yeah, and then yeah. I bet the thing is you could you could get them in advance and triage them. And I bet they're going to well, that would be to fun. The yeah. same camps. That would actually go, be a lot of fun. You know, oh, it's it, normal visit. My edges are crap. The color's wrong. It lifted yeah. with sweat. I've got. Do you know I mean? I bet they'll be the same ones. To itself. And everyone's going to think that it's that. unique to them. You go no no no. It's, it's well, almost like pulling medical. Results, you know, yeah, trying exactly. to find out where patient zero was so we can figure it out. Well, we had this one time uh, at our craft, uh, not the craft meeting years ago. They had a group of us, they had five makeup artists that were asked to do a makeup in front of, of everyone, and so everyone had their own model. And the, the thing that was, was interesting was we were given a scenario, and the scenario was we have to have this character who has to be frozen, and we have to have this frostbite effect. And they gave us this whole little, little, like little script as far as what we were supposed to come up with. So each person was given this in advance, and each person showed up, and each person did their version of this. And it was interesting how each makeup artist had a different take on the same problem. And I think because then at that point someone could ask from the audience, okay, now how did you do this? How did you do that? Asking the different makeup artists. And it was interesting the different approaches that each of us took for the same common issue of this this little scenario. And I think that's a really good way of learning. And a perfect example of how there are multiple ways to achieve mm -hmm. the same exactly. result. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because everyone will come with what they think is their, like, right. you do, do a frostbite makeup, right. you know, and then it'll be like, right. someone's going to have icicles hanging off because they think that's what's going to happen. And somebody else, that, there's almost no evidence of ice, it's just actually a burn, actually. Yeah, and right. then you've got somebody, somebody else's else, like, necrotic tissue. Yeah, right. it, and yeah. And, and and you'd all be like, oh yeah, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. You'd all, and it opens it up. It's kind of like watching an M Night Shyamalan movie. It's like, <laughs> after a while, you kind of go, I'm looking for the, you know, the plot twist because yeah. I know there is one. You know right. I mean? Once you yeah. realise that there's another way of thinking of things, you start being receptive yeah. to that and having that frame of well, mind. Yeah, we kind of do that like when you watch a movie, right? If you go to the movies and you see certain effects done, and you go, oh, I never thought about doing it like that. You know, you see, even if it's a bruise, you know, you just go, oh. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you're there to watch the movie, but sometimes you see things and you just go, oh. Well, we talked about that yesterday with um, with Chris about uh, facial bruising um, using using dental plumpers mm -hmm. actually yeah. in the mouth rather than physical a, a, a prosthetic. surface yeah. pieces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I know prosthetics, so if I want a swell cheek or something, I'll just put a piece on the yeah. I've got edges to worry about and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And a dental guy, like, no, I just put a plumper in. And then you can take it out over lunch, and there's no edges, and yeah, you don't have to get here until I deal with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, a little color. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, I mean, this, I mean, this whole scenario came up years ago for IMATS. I worked on Star Trek: Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, all the all the franchises, and many times we're using generic pieces to create a, a character. A oh, Westmore alien. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. I, I did a lot of those, and so I suggested that to Michael Key. I said. And I even talked to Michael Westmore about this initially. And I said, what if we have the scenario of a character and you're just giving stock pieces? And this is given to the people who are doing the, the, the contests. Give them stock pieces so they can't prepare for anything. Yeah. And see what they can do. Because that's the way... I wish they were still doing that. I mean, that's how we initially started. Yeah. We gave them a bunch of pieces that we had over on Star Trek. And... They were just given an idea, 
And then the idea was to use what you had and you let your imagination go. And it's, I mean, it's, it's for some people, it is a challenge that's well met. Other people, they freeze up because they can't do it. And I've seen people do that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I we was. have to think on our feet a lot. Right. Oh, yeah. And I was just, you know, I did this so many times on Star Trek. But you have to try to find some type of order to this puzzle. And that's where you're thinking on your feet. And you have to find it in a very short time because this character has to go out and be on set in, say, two hours. So I think it's a, a great challenge to be able to just give stock pieces and say, okay, now, here, run with this and see what you can do. It's a great exercise to look at things, and it's like what we do when we're built, as mm-hmm. to build something. You know, I go to Home Depot all the time to get stuff to build on a project, and I mean, the guys say, yeah, what are you looking for? And I tell them, and I say, oh, yeah, what are you making? And I say, <laughs> I don't want to go into that you right now. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm not using these plumbing products for plumbing okay. right. um, but uh, Rob Berman has done some demos you know with his rubberware stuff yeah I watched him do a demo at IMATS uh, when Stuart and I were there last time uh, two years two years ago um, building a, a creature makeup with all kinds of different different pieces you know he was using cheek pieces on the on the forehead oh yeah that was the thing flip, flip wasn't it. that the one he did at my booth it might have been. It was. Have been. It was. I think it was. Um, using these pieces where they weren't intended to go, but creating a, a wonderful character and yeah. putting another piece on top of that yep. flipped around the other way. and It was totally it was really, it was really cool. cool. Made me realize, you know, you've got to look at all of this stuff mm-hmm. well, in I, a different way. I was working with uh, Barry Coper on a show called Super Capers, and we had a character that was supposed to be this, this all thought kind of character so he has a big head you know and you know like the metaluna from you know this island earth kind of idea and the piece only was only so big and so we ended up taking and cutting down a, a sponge and shaping everything and putting that on first and then putting the piece on top to create more of this bulbous forehead effect and it's like again you have to think on your feet if you don't have what you need can you supplement it somehow? Yeah. Sure. And, I mean, that was a great, you know, thinking on your feet kind of thing that Barry Coper did. And so, again, you have to think outside of the box sometimes to be able to get to that end result. Yep. And I think that is, that's the key to part any artist, kind of work like part this. Part magician. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about your mantra you were saying about respecting the craft, because I think that's an important thing and when a lot of interest gets propagated by things like Instagram which isn't necessarily a bad thing but I don't necessarily think a lot of attention is put on the actual act of making as much as it is about getting a result which a good example is we've noticed there's a trend where there's a lot of like professional prosthetic makeup or just makeup artists who are doing their thing and because the makeup they've done looks so real it might just be a nose that's completely realistic it doesn't attract the right. same attention as someone just throwing a bit of blood on something and they go, oh, you're so talented. And it's just like, it's funny how that then that, that then becomes a reason to do it because people are trying to get some momentum, this this bottomless pit of desire to be liked and <laughs> and, uh, and gain some kind of momentum with it. And, and there's a danger that the, the, the craft of it gets lost. And when I 
the reason I started blogging was because I, I, I realised I care more about how things are done than what they're done for, because I enjoy the process of it, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of that, and I guess you guys are too, and it's like, so it's kind of nice. So can you tell me a little bit more about that ethic, you know, okay. to try and focus on those things because i guess in a world where people are trying to sell stuff it's, it's it's tempting to try and make products to do everything for you it's that apple mentality again where right. some people don't want to look under the hood but some people want to tinker and play and and you kind of have to when you're given a job that you know a character's got such and such and it's your job to know the things are available but then assemble them and, and come up with something rather than go oh here's the thing you want on the shelf ready to go because that's not how it works right Exactly. Well, I you know I could break out my soapbox because I I I'm such a a huge proponent of you know respecting you know where my education came from you know the people that taught me um, not only the people that taught me when I was first starting and and I and I come out of left field and I literally mean left field because I came out of, of baseball I wanted to be a baseball player that's what I wanted to do. I wasn't good enough to be honest with you, but I thought I, that's what I wanted. I was, I'm a yeah. I'm a sports guy. Okay, All, I had two sets of friends. I had sports friends and I had art friends. Very different groups. Very very <laughs> different groups. They never interacted, um, but I loved them both. And I never thought of myself as a, I never wanted to be a makeup artist. It all came about. We're not going to get into the how how that happened, but but anyway. When I started learning, um, the the pains and um, the the measures that the people that were teaching me, especially my first teacher, um, um, Ron Snyder, um, that he the care that he gave me in teaching me how to do makeup, um, you know, I can never I can never pay that back. Can never pay that back because his patience and for somebody who was as green as green could be you know um was amazing he just said he saw that i had a little bit of time because i was working for tom berman on a project uh just sort of uh, working in the shop and learning there as well but on set he saw that i had some sort of affinity for it and said come here i'm going to start teaching you stuff so for three months i had of my own little tutor, 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 tutelage, you know? And so, um, I learned, um, so much in, in that time. And then from, from there to start working with other people and meeting other artists and stuff and, and gaining knowledge from them and realize what they went through to get their knowledge to then pass it on to me. The thing that I see today and I saw, I think about three years after we started No Products, um, was the people that were coming in could care less. It's this YouTube instant gratification, this this is what I'm doing, this is the way it is, it's the one way, it's like we said, the Apple thing. you know. Um, and they didn't know anything about the people that came before them or the people that charted this you know, course for how things, you know, not necessarily should be done, because I don't want to say that, but how things get done and how you build upon that to create another way or whatever, you know, but everything has a, a base and a foundation. And things that I would ask people to do as I was 
on location and I'd have to hire locals and stuff. And, and even in Los Angeles and when I had new people coming in and when I realized the things they didn't know, things that I sort of took for granted that they should know, um, I started this campaign for people to realize, you know, that this is a craft. You're not, you're not working in, in the film industry um, just to make, you know, you're, you're there to make a living. But you also are serving a higher, a higher calling, which is the picture. You know, we're here for the picture. We are, it is the largest collaborative art form there is. You know, it takes, there's not just one person. It's the director's picture, but he can't do it. He's not doing everything. Look at all, there's 300 people on this movie. You know, and we're at least, at least, Mm -hmm. and we're all contribute. Every little bit we contribute to that, Mm -hmm. and so you have to have, you know, respect for the things that you do, for the for the time you spent learning what you learned, um, the amount of money you put into learning what you what you know. So if you don't respect yourself, if you don't respect, have enough respect for the pains that you've taken to learn your craft, you're not projecting that either. You're not putting it out there. Um, when people allow themselves, and it's, it may seem trite, and, and I put this out there all the time, when you don't dress well or come dress professionally to, a, uh, to work, if you don't carry yourself in a professional manner, if you don't treat other craftspeople with the same respect that you want, you know, those are things that are, I think are demeaning and disrespectful. Um, It's really, really important that you respect whatever craft you are. And that's why I didn't say the makeup craft, because there's props, costume, you know, hair department, um, even grip and electric you know all those those crafts people because there are specific things that everyone's had to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like if you're a mason or if you're a carpenter and things like that. Those crafts people have spent so much time learning what they do, and they have such a skill set. And it's really important that you respect that within yourself. And if you do that, if you can take the time to really hone it and and respect it within yourself, you're going to then project that out uh, to your job, and you're going to make that job that much better. You know, what's interesting is is nowadays, I hear this a lot when I'm teaching, and I'm sure you probably have heard this too. People will say, "Oh, that's old school." And it's Nothing almost wrong it's, with old school, but you know, but they say <coughs> such a disdain kind of. Yeah, like, derogatory kind of right. Yeah. And, and when they say old school, the hairs on the back of my neck go up because I'm thinking, who are you to say this? These were techniques that were developed by, you know, it's like when I would recommend books to read. I said, well, there's Richard Corson. Well, that's old school. Yeah. You know, that's theater. I'm like, you have never looked at this book, have you? Because if you looked at this book, it's like a lot of the YouTubers who are into these. High contrast makeups. Oh, and they, I, I, oh yeah. I have a million followers. I, I must be good. Exactly. And I'm like, that is, when I, someone showed me that, and I go, that's operatic makeup. We use that all the time in theater. That's a theater technique. And they're acting like they just discovered it. And I'm like, you really don't look at anything. It's like, 
one time I asked a, a group of kids that I was teaching, I go, okay, what books have you read on makeup? And someone says, well, I don't have any books on makeup. I have a subscription to Vogue. I go, that doesn't count. <laughs> I said, it has to be an actual physical book. Mm-hmm. And, I read Cosmo. Yeah. And it's like, people today, kids today, and this sounds bad too, I know, but they don't take it as seriously as what I did when I was growing up on the farm in Illinois. Or they're, or they're somewhat snobbish and like, oh, I, I only do film, I'm, I'm not interested in theater. Oh, yeah. So, like, in many ways, I think doing doing convincing makeup for for stage is more difficult than it is. For it's doing the film. basis of what we do. It's the it's and that's what I tell everybody too. I said, I did that yeah, this I, weekend. I said Richard Corson's book. You should read Richard Corson's book. I said her book as well. That's yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's all based on the theory of. Highlight and shadow. shadow. Yeah. If you cannot do highlight and shadow, I don't care if it's a silicone piece or whatever, it won't look right. Mm. Mm-hmm. It all takes that that one concept of highlight and shadow. Yes, because you have a very clear idea of what it is right. you're trying to create. The manner in which you create it is irrelevant. It's where's the light coming from, what's going in, what's coming out. It's learning those are the nuts and bolts. It, and it's it's learning an art form which is like painting. And mm-hmm. I've said so many people when they say, I don't have an understanding of this, take a painting class. As soon as you take a painting class, you will understand this more with more clarity. I come from an art background. I was an art major. And so I, I approach makeup as an art major. Mm-hmm. I don't approach it like just makeup. And I found that makeup artists who have an art background approach it in a totally different mm-hmm. vein. Their thinking had, process is different. color theory training, which is crucially important. Oh, and most schools, you're lucky if you have a a day on color theory. It should be the entire semester is color theory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, it's, you know, pigmentation color theory is going to be different than lighting color theory, and when sure. you're using both of them together, then this you is really it. have this to pay where attention it because, because it's not just because, exactly. because, because then you have subtractive elements right. there. If you've yeah. got a, a gorgeous, and I, I saw this beautifully on, on a project of my own not terribly long ago where I, I wasn't really involved. I, I made pieces for, for the show and then I saw some photographs of it. Because it was a young Frankenstein production and you know on Broadway he's, they've got them painted green. So we did a, a really kind of a, a very pale green not not shrekish green but if the lighting is going to go yellow at oh, any yeah. point in the it stage amplifies then, it then frankenstein's monster becomes shrek's first cousin and it's like oh my god but if you look at original you know some of the rare color photographs from mel brooks young frankenstein mm-hmm. the film mm-hmm. peter boyle was actually painted not too far off from your the yeah. color of your blue of your shirt and then in doesn't matter what the lighting is on stage with that blue you know if it's yellow then you've got this gorgeous frankenstein green but if it's blue it's blue if it's red it goes gray it's and it looks terrific in yeah. in everything mm-hmm. i mean and, and i think quite truthfully a lot of people don't <clears throat> put a lot of thought into it they just it's like when i sit down to do a makeup I think about it. I, I ponder it. I look at the actor, especially if I'm supposed to do like a Westmore alien. I look at the actor's face, and I look how I can use that person's facial gestures, 
I like to even sometimes ask them to move their face a little bit. So I can actually play that up with the makeup. Mm -hmm. And I try, I'm trying to make something that looks uniquely them. Mm -hmm. It's working with their face. It works with right. yeah, yourself. Exactly. You're actually, right. we, we are there to enhance the performance. Right. And, not, and not detract from it. I mean, that, I mean, that goes along with this, this whole feel now because of, of face-off. Everyone thinks they have to be these overdone, overblown makeups. And I'm like, we never do that in real life on a film or a feature. If it gets to that point, it's going to be CGI. I said, in most cases, we're going to, it'll be augmented with CGI, with what we're doing. But we're not going to be making these things that are walking around like these, you know, these huge lumbering monsters. It just doesn't happen anymore. It's just the the Very arena rarely. of film is totally different now, mm -hmm. and it's not the same animal it once was. And so, but so many kids now come out of doing makeups, and they think everything has to be like face off, which That's, is which has become a costume show with makeup, right? right. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, think Cosplay. about the makeup first. The makeup is more important. Mm -hmm. And I tell my students, you know, in fact, one of, one of my mottos on my website is, yeah, it's, it's not about the makeup. It's about the performance. It's about the performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that I also try to tell people is, if you put a makeup on someone such as, like, the face-off makeups, or some of the things that I see coming out now, they're so thick and so big that the person underneath it cannot, they, they can move their face as much as they can, and doesn't. still doesn't register yeah. as anything on the outside. Not that's, like that's the antithesis of what we're supposed to be exactly. doing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. If if the actor's performance is inhibited, I don't care how cool the makeup looks. Right. It's wrong. Mm. Yeah. It's a mask. Then yeah. that that is a thing, and we mentioned this yesterday. We were chatting to Michael Westmore about it. There's a, almost a, a fetishization. Fetish. I can't say the word. Fetishization. 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 Of, of like the processes it. of manufacturing appliances because it can be quite a convoluted process. Yeah. People fall in love with that and they forget what it's for. And they, they, end, up more, they end up just making no prosthetics. So I, I, I do as much prosthetics as I can and actually it might not be right for the character. So you've got right. to start with the character and work backwards. And some of this may be performance, some of it may be costume, some of it's hair, some of it may be dental. Maybe they need lenses, maybe they don't. Maybe they just need a little bit of colour. But if you come with like, like you know what I mean? Like a, yeah. a carpenter's going to put wood everywhere because that's what he knows. And actually, this room would look nicer if it was more tiled or whatever. Right. Do you know what I mean? So you need some. You need to distance yourself well, from the processes. Well, and, and what you find out, and this is this goes back to probably one of the easiest, ans you know, ways of approaching makeup is simpler is better. Yeah. Over designed is just over designed. It looks too busy. Yeah. And it's like some of the makeups I'm seeing now on some of these shows. They're so over designed. They're so busy that they don't—they don't do anything. Though. It's like they're competing with other shows. I'm going to make this better than this yeah. other show. This has fifty. Yeah. This is like, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's they've done the same thing with CGI, and uh, yeah. I watched what the like, the Last Jedi and the Millennium Falcons flying through all this stuff, and I was like. There's too much going yeah. on. It's just mm -hmm. I'm looking. It's at, overload. I'm looking at garbage here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's visual overload. Yeah, and you know, and I think the other thing is, as makeup artists, is a lot of makeup artists design a makeup, but they don't think of the other aspects of a makeup, which is hair. Mm -hmm. Hair does an awful lot to sell the care, the creation of this character, because I make hair pieces and stuff. So I'm always looking at. I see a lot of people will design a bald alien. 
My thing is, how can we incorporate hair or other textures or other things? Or, yeah. I mean, I did a makeup uh, for IMAT several years ago, and I gave myself a challenge. I'm going to make a wig totally out of not hair, but paper. So I did it as that a whole a paper cool sculpture. Yeah. And sitting back and Do you thinking. Have pictures of that? I'd love to see. Oh, yeah. That. And it turned out incredibly well to the point that people were like, oh, well, how'd you put that on? It's like, I built it like a wig. Everything is paper. There is no understructure. It's all paper. And so I constructed it like I would a wig, but making use of all paper. That was pretty cool. That is neat. That was pretty cool. And I, so I gave that as my challenge. And even the visor that the character wore was paper. I incorporate paper into so much, so many aspects of the makeup. Because I thought, I want to try something that's different, not the norm that everyone does. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it, it turned out incredibly well, at, to the point that I want to try it again, using more advanced ideas of paper sculpture into the makeup. Very cool. So, again, mixed media. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking outside the makeup box. Exactly. <laughs> that's basically, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's totally that. You know, and, you know, like we were saying earlier, I mean, we get into those situations all the time, you know, where you, you want to do something different. Don't like, you know, don't make it bigger, the same, but just bigger and more of do something different, do something subtle, do something, you know, like well, to, me, that's, to me, that's the biggest challenge is, you know, just, just an ordinary person makeup, somebody that you would never give a second glance to, you know, yeah. a disguise makeup, turning yeah. turning somebody into somebody else, you know, it's just mm -hmm. something yeah. as simple well, as just changing just the nose, nose. Yeah, can exactly. make somebody unrecognizable to their friends. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I've had that, you know, I had the privilege of working with Samuel L. Jackson for 17 years, and he loves character. And so I got to do a lot of character stuff with him, and that's my favorite thing to do. Is, is like you're saying, just little simple. Especially things. when it's a very well-known face, yeah. Because you can really hide yeah. the plain well, sight. He's like, what? Yeah. did a makeup a couple of years ago. What was it for you, May? Where you just did this kind of trailer home, trash, homely woman trailer trash. It was it was brilliant. Um, he just turned this really attractive young woman into. A trailer park woman with with acne zits and a big nose yeah. and you know, not not to the point where it's so grotesque that she would definitely notice it because she's so ugly, but just so ordinary that she could. She would walk right by you. She could walk right by and you'd never be the perfect perfect spy. Right, yeah. and and that's that's one of those things that people also forget is again it goes back to the less is more is it's something that's so subtle that people do look right past it and don't even think it's a makeup mm -hmm. and that's actually the best compliment you can get absolutely yeah. well, we've yeah. talked about this because i i was doing visual effects animation before i became a practical makeup artist uh, because i'm a tactile person i like to be able yeah. to touch the stuff i'm working on but the best compliment you can pay to a visual effects artist is to look at the work and not know what they've done exactly well it's just like i years ago um as a member of the of the, of the academy uh academy of motion pictures um we we're getting ready to vote or not start to look at things to nominate and uh kevin haney called me and he said uh, al have you seen see inside yet and i said no i haven't seen it he says you gotta go see it this is the makeup's amazing 
And I said, great. I said, I'm actually, I'm going to go see it tonight. So I went and I saw it. And I watched the movie and I was just like, what makeup is he talking about? So I got home and I called him and I said, what makeup are you talking about? He goes, the makeup on Javier Baudin. And I said, and I didn't know Javier Baudin. I didn't know who he was. And I said, the old guy. And he goes, he's not an old guy. I said, oh, I better go back and watch that movie again. So I went the (laughs) next day. Yeah, exactly. It's like, really? (laughs) And I went back just to study the makeup. And even to this day, it's one of my favorite makeups ever. Ever. I mean, it is so seamless. It is so beautiful. It is, and that, like you say, it's well thought out with hair. The hair makes, has such an uh, important part in that makeup. Mm. And it is, it is just beautifully done. And, 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 I, and the only reason it didn't win the Academy Award is because nobody saw the movie. You know, it was... You know, I thank God it was nominated. It yeah. did get nominated, yeah, yeah. Um, which it totally deserved. But um, hands down, it, it, even today, it, 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 it's the best thing I've seen in forever. That, that, like, like Max von Sydow's makeup that Dick yeah. did in, yeah. in The Exorcist. Yeah. Most, most people didn't even realize yeah. he wore makeup. Yeah, he was yeah. he was forty four or something. Yeah, like that. And exactly. At, and you look at pictures of von Sydow at the age he was playing in The Exorcist. Okay. Spot on. I know, right? Everyone saw the Linda Blair makeup, but totally did not recognize that there was other stuff going on within yeah. the same scene. Yeah. And that, again, that that becomes a compliment, and at the same time, it's kind of sad because people aren't acknowledging your work because they, didn't, they don't think they didn't it's know there. It's there. They yeah. Didn't know. yeah. And so, that, I mean, yeah, that is that is a compliment. Yeah. But that's why it's important to point these things out. Because exactly. It's it, it's flawless hiding in plain sight. And that's in in, in, a, in a, 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 a almost attention economy which you have with things like Instagram. Those are the things that fly under the radar, but those are the very things that it's kind of like ultrasonic sound. Like bats may hear it, but we don't. Right. And if you don't hear it, you think, well, it doesn't exist, and it doesn't matter. And it's like no, but that hearing it is the result of a, a better developed hearing system. And you've got to be like that with your art. It's like yeah. you've got to understand that what you know is what you know, but there's always much more known. Once you realize, oh my God, there's all this other stuff. Once you've seen that, you know, it's like, right. yeah, the, the more point, I know, go, the more oh I my God, I didn't know. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know makeup could be that good. Like, you know. Years, yeah. years ago on Enterprise, we had a, a guest star that was on the show. She was going to be in a two-part episode. And she, unfortunately, had taken Retin-A and went outside and really fried her skin. And when she showed up, I saw her and I had I was going to do her, and you know you always hear this idea that someday there'll be a makeup that'll come along that you'll just have no idea what to do. And here was this woman, and I'm thinking I have to do a 1940s beauty makeup on her that looks very subtle, and she has all these flaws with her face. And I'm I was just like, crap, what am I going to do? And so I had to think about outside the box again. And one day, Scott Bakula comes running into the trailer after going through the rehearsal. And he says to Michael Westmore, who's also in the trailers, and he says, what happened to so-and-so? And Michael says, what are you talking about? It looks like she got hit by it with a baseball bat. She looks like hell. And Michael says, well, that's the way she always looks. And he's like, 
what? And Michael says, without skipping a beat, going, yeah, she always looks that way when she comes in to makeup. And and Scott has this quizzical look on his face. I can see it from the corner of my eye because I'm at one end of the corner of the station, and Michael's at the other end of the, of the trailer. And he says, yeah, she comes in every day looking like that. Brad didn't get a chance to do her makeup yet because of the of the rehearsal first. And at that point, I could see Scott wheeling around, <laughs> looking at me, going, oh, my God, you! this is what you've been doing with her every day? I said, yeah. He goes, I'm this close to her. He says, I'm just inches away from her in these scenes. And I can't tell anything has been done. Now, there was no prosthetics. It was all just beauty makeup. That's high praise. That she felt good. And, and, and he says, you should get a, an Emmy for that. Because if anyone saw what she looked like before, then after, he goes, you don't even think it's the same person. He says, but it's so subtle. He says, I can't tell with my eye that it looks like anything was done. Well, then they shot this. This was the third season, I think it was, that they shot with high def. And I'm going to the theater, or to the Paramount Theater. They're going to show us that two-hour segment in the high-def theater setting now. And so now it's no longer just TV size. It's, mm -hmm. it's movie screen size. And I'm like, holy crap. And I'm sitting right next to my husband. And I'm leaning down in the chair. <laughs> and I'm leaning, looking through fingers at the screen. I said, I can't look. I don't know what this is going to look like. And he elbows me and says, open your eyes, damn it. He goes, look. He goes, I can't tell anything has been done. He goes, she, because I showed her, showed him a picture of what she looked like before. And he's like, she looks like nothing's been done to her. She looks completely untouched. He says, your makeup looks incredibly what's, well. What's the episode name? I would have to look it up. I don't remember. The third, third season? In seconds, you're up here. Oh, oh yeah. Because exactly. wow. I'm just doing this through my fingers, and I'm looking at it. He goes, open your eyes and look. And I, I finally did that, and I was shocked. Because, I mean, they're doing extreme close-ups on her. But what I did, because her, her, her um, uh, general person that I guess is like her caretaker or her, her assistant or whatever her title is came over and asked me one time while I'm sitting on set and and she says to me, what did you do to her makeup? I go, it's a little this, that, and the other. He goes, she's never looked this good on any show she's been on. She goes, she looks flawless. She goes, and I'm looking at her up close and I can't see anything that's been done. I mean, I used rubber mask grease paint. Again, old school. I use Dermacolor. I use rubber mat, or I use RCMA. I use liquid foundation. I used airbrushing. I used everything to smooth and correct everything I could. And was using all those little tools that most people would go to one product. I went to five different products to get what I needed. And that to me is the power, especially when it's not a prosthetic makeup as a beauty makeup. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to look 1940s. 1940s is not a flashy look. You don't have a lot of eyeshadows and blush and everything to hide things. And you have to really do it to the point that it's so subtle. Yeah. And that was the problem I had. 
and she was going to be in every scene with Scott. Yeah. And they were going to be next to each other all the time. Wow. Cool. I'm going to check it out. And that was that was scary as hell. <laughs> but the thing is that once you knew that as well, it gives you him a new appreciation of what's possible. But it means the performance. That's the that that is yeah. the power of makeup. See, is that they're reacting to each other on set. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You 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 react to this person if they're sick because you could have done the complete opposite. You could have you could have had a stunningly beautiful woman who's got to look broken down. Right. Not to the point where it's theatrical, but and then the actor is opposite her. You know, doesn't necessarily see makeup. He just sees it. You know, and right. she's performing correctly, and it all works together. And it's that meshing. Of a, a seamless but, thing, yeah, I'm it's sure that helps. You know, help with the, her own internal game. Yes, when she looks in the mirror and sees that, that's going to yeah, yeah, affect her performance well, in a positive way. Yeah, that's the thing. When you work, you know, like the stuff that I would do with, with Sam, it would be you know those things that help him create. Like he, we talk about the character. He tells me, you know, exactly what the backstory of the character is. Gives me all the information. I design the character, show it to him. He goes, yeah, let's try this, or let's, can we do this, or can we do that? You know, and you make that. Mm-hmm. And that makes, frees them up. They don't think about it ever. They get to do their stuff. The thing about it is is that when you, when the, well, they're playing against the other actors. If it's, if you do your job, it lets those people believe what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. Right? So that it, the, the, you're, you're not looking at makeup. Magic, isn't it? Yeah, it's you're magic. looking at uh, that person, and that's the thing. That's the thing that I—that's the magic. You're absolutely right. That is the magic of it, and that's the 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 gift that you get. I mean, it's just like it's so amazing that feeling. Well, and I was lucky. The actress actually let me do what I needed to do. Well, that's without without interfering and letting me taking it to that that degree that I needed to get. But what we I could needed. we could talk to a, an hour about actors that won't let you do oh, yeah. the things you that you need to do to create the character that they want to be, but they won't let you. They right. sabotage themselves. Yes. Right. Yes. Because that, that, yeah, they override it. And like, you're not yeah. the one that studied this. I won't tell you about your performance. Yeah. Let me do this. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I had an actress on another show, another beauty makeup, and this girl had golf ball eyes. I mean, they really stood out from her framing around her face. And I wanted to contour her eyes to seed them back in. And she just fought me on that. And I ended up going to the DP. And I mentioned this to the DP. I said, I'm trying everything to make her look better. And she won't let me. And the DP says, well, I'll see what I can do with lighting. He says, but. He goes, he goes you do such a good job on, on the main actress here. And she's sitting right next to the main actress. And here, he goes, he goes you know what? It's her fault. He says, she if she would just look at what you're doing to the other actress, she, she would know that you know what you're exactly. doing. And it, it just, it just pained me to see it not looking as good as it could. Well, you know what happens too. Sometimes an actor or an actress will, will have an affinity for another makeup artist, like mm-hmm. some, somebody they've used before and they yeah. said, Oh, they think that they look incredible. And you go, let me just do this. And they're like, no, this is what you need to do. And I'm like, I can, you know, I can make this happen if I just do this, this, or this. And they get stuck in this thing that this is how they are, this is how they look. And you see, especially actresses, years, they look this, they look never changes, no matter what film they're doing, no matter what the character is. You know, it's just like their look is their look, and that's their signature look. 
and that's what they that's what they get. That's yeah, all. That, that's they it. want to be them. They don't. They don't want, want to be, be the, the character. character. Exactly. And that that's always an issue, especially when you're doing a period show, and you're trying to put a period oh. lipstick on them, and they go, "Oh, I don't look good in that color lipstick." Yeah. It's like. It's not, but that's not the point. It's, no, yeah, you know, it's not. This yeah, color didn't know. exist then. Yeah, it's like you know, I'm mean, trying to use something that's historically correct, and you want to use something that looks like you know 1990s. Yeah, and sometimes it's it's also sometimes it's like I've worked with directors that don't want to stay, right? You know, within uh, the period. Within the period, they yeah. you know they're like I don't care. I just you know I'll, this is what I want. I mean, a prime example was when, when I saw the, the new Sherlock Holmes movie. You had the, the leads looking one way, especially the two women. They look too contemporary. And then you have all this background looking completely done, correct to the time period. And they just stood out. I mean, yeah. every time they were on, I'm like, oh, my God, this looks... It's horrendous. Right it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it just took me out of the film every time that happened. Pearl Harbor was the same way. Pearl Harbor, the it was like... You know, Vogue, uh, present day Vogue was in that. Yeah, it's like Pearl it's a, Harbor. Yeah, you know, it's like every every shot is really crisp, but then when you get to Sybil Shepherd, it's got a soft, it's yeah. got a soft focus filter. <laughs> right, and then you and you then you cut to Bruce Willis, and it's sharp and yeah. crisp, and the wide shot sharp and crisp, and then to a medium close up of Sybil, and it's soft. <laughs> it's like, well, it's like I, nothing odd about sure, that. No, no. I, I remember I was doing doing a makeup off. One time, this was on Voyager, and it was a beauty makeup slash prosthetic makeup. And I did the the all this, and I took the person out, and the the cameraman came over to me. His name's Doug, and Doug says, you know, I've never seen a makeup look that smooth and clean. I don't even have to use a filter on this. That makeup is so pristine, just as is, I don't have to do anything on that. Yeah. And I'm like, you sure? He goes, oh, no. He goes, if I did that, it'll just screw up the makeup. He says, it looks to my eye. And I'm looking, he goes, I'm looking through the camera lens. I'm going, my God, that makeup's so clean. He goes, that's what I want. I go, that's what I strive for. And, he, I mean, he was just amazed. Got to make friends with the DP. Always. I mean, it's just like we were talking about, you know, the different people that interact within with your job. DP, the lighting, you know, it's stuff wardrobe, wardrobe, mm-hmm. you know, hair, hair, par- hair. Yeah. you know, it's like you have to make sure that you're working well within that. Again, coming to respecting the craft, especially within prosthetics, because I, yes, I, I don't work as a regular makeup. I only really do prosthetics, right. so I, I'm kind of like helicoptered in for one or two days. Right. So it's good to go see costumes. Say, I've got a neckline that comes down here. Is that a problem? And right. little just touchstones to try and. And even if it's fine, it's just the fact that you made that consideration to go speak to them. It just kind of sets a nice tone. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he thought about this. And it just kind of helps you kind of segue in to an existing oh, yeah, yeah. setup and then leave, you know, leaving no bad flavors. Well, well and, and, I mean, the thing is, it, not only do you want to work well with every person, but you want the, the makeup to have a unity. You don't want anything to stick out. Mm-hmm. out of, it, out I've of seen place. some shows where the makeup looks one way, the hair looks another way, the wardrobe looks another way. And it's like, it's fighting it because it, there's too many different it's options going on yeah, here. People trying to compete yeah, for yeah, exactly. whatever. I did I did this project years ago and the band played on about, about uh, patient zero and AIDS. And we had an amazing cast and stuff. And I had a lot of prosthetics and stuff that I was doing throughout the movie, as well as all the straight makeup. Well, 
the very first time we were going to see uh, a really uh, advanced AIDS makeup. Mike Spatola and I, Mike was Mike Spatola was my key on that. Mike Spatola and I did this makeup uh, on their patient, and he looked fan. You know, we loved the the way it looked. It looked great. You know, to your eye, you couldn't even tell he was wearing prosthetics. It was really good. Um, I just leave the trailer. I come to the set, and um, uh, our director comes to me. and says, "We're we can't shoot that makeup." And I said. What do you mean we, we can't? Why can't we shoot it? Is it schedule? And I said, he goes, no, no, no. Um, uh, Paul, our DP, said that he can't shoot. It's unshootable. And I I said, did you see the makeup? And he goes, yeah. I said, how did it look to you? He goes, well, I thought it looked good, but he said he can't shoot it. I said, if it looked good to you, I said, because it looks amazing to me. Sorry, I, I, you know, I don't mean to boast. I said, but it really looks fantastic. I said, he can only make it better. And he goes, well, he said he can't shoot it. So I went over to him and I said, I don't understand why he can't shoot it. Oh, it just, it, it, it doesn't work. The coloration of it doesn't work. I said, this is the coloration. This is what it is. This you is the real thing in this front is of the, you. Yeah, this is what, this what it really is, looks this like. This is what yeah. it really looks like. And after a good... 30 minutes of going at it with him and then going back to our director, you know, we finally put it on film. But it was, I realized that he had never shot prosthetics. He had never photographed them. So his lighting was off. So we put it on film, but it looked horrible. It literally looked horrible. So once I figured that out, I tried to intercede when any time we shot prosthetics at that point with lighting tips and telling him what we needed and stuff like that. But him and I were, he he didn't like our department Mm -hmm. at all Um, because he felt like, and and this is a case of somebody that um, he'd just become a DP. He was a young DP. Mm -hmm. So he didn't want to, he felt... Um, uh, threatened, right? So here's somebody from the makeup department telling him how he needs to light something, you know. So which it did that didn't go over very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so consequently, in that film, um, where I would say a good, you know, ninety percent of the stuff looked ended up looking really good, great stuff like that. We had instances like I did a, a, a on Swoozie Kurtz. I did. She she plays a, a woman that's dying from AIDS, um, uh, and I did some really subtle makeups on makeup on her with some veining and um, uh, three little three um, glaze colors that I did on her, and she looked really sort of pasty, and it was real this real intimate scene that she has in the movie. Her her one scene in the movie, and. I went over to the camera until I wanted to see the angle and stuff that we were shooting, and I noticed he's got four filters on the camera to soften her. And, yeah, to soften her. I said, "No, no, I we said, want to we make don't, her. We don't she want." Wants to I look, said, "You don't want to." She's supposed these, to look bad, right? Yeah. He goes, "No, she she doesn't look good." I said, "She's dying. Six, she's six. Yeah. We, we need want the texture her. of the colors. Yeah, That's we need all that. that. You know, because I've got layers on her. I said, I, you know, I've got veining. I've got layers. I've got all this stuff going, and." 
again, I had to fight. If I wasn't there looking at it, it wouldn't have happened. And so that's, you know, knowing, knowing your craft and knowing what you need and what you're trying to, to, to uh, convey to the audience you know, you've got to you've got to be able to work with the other departments. You know, that, that reminds me of that story about the original uh, pilot for Star Trek, where they have the green girl and, oh, and they yeah. have Spock, and the cameraman's like, "Oh my God, he looks terrible!" So they keep they keep trying to do what they can with the filters and everything, and then they, it goes to the to the developing, and they're like, "Oh, he looks he looks terrible." So Mr. Spock gets given all these blushes and other stuff by processing the film differently and they're like why does he look normal here he's supposed to look this kind of yellowish color to his skin it's like oh you wanted that i thought he was just sickly looking so i tried to make him look nice <laughs> left hand doesn't know what's right hand exactly and he, so it's been going on for quite a while yeah <laughs> that feels like a nice we could go on. I know we could. On. This could this go. Is, this feels yeah. really good. I know, right? It's true. It's <laughs> that just, was pure gold. This is wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. More than more than we anticipated. Oh Thank yeah. You.